Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. everybody and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Jets Radio. This is one of your hosts, Tyson Roush. And I want to welcome everybody. There is a lot of news to talk about tonight on the field, off the field, in the locker room, out of the locker room, you name it, we're going to be talking about it. So without further ado, I'll introduce my co-host, Joe from Long Beach. How you doing, man? Hey, how's it going, Tyson? Man, I'm fired up. I'm ready to talk Jets, ready to talk with the listeners as well. Let's get into it. Yeah, and for all our listeners, you can call us in 929-477-2651. On Twitter, we're at TalkJetsRadio, where Kevin will help you out. And, Joe, before we get started, can you give everybody the Facebook information, uh, just so we can give everybody how they can you know, follow us on Facebook? Yes, our Facebook is, you can search uh, Long Beach Joe. Uh, that's going to be our new official Facebook page. We're also going to tweet out the uh, link to it for you guys on Twitter that want to join there. It's just a new Facebook page, nice and clean, a way for us to really interact with our fans and touch different people as well. So go on there. We have our content. Um, you can talk to us on there. We'll talk back. Uh, you can post some of your thoughts and maybe questions as well if you like, and we can interact that way as well. Yeah, so please give us a follow. Like you said, we'll, we'll definitely, um, you know, a friend request. We'll accept it. We'll, po- we'll post our show information there. We'll do all those different kinds of things. And, you know, we'll go from there. The other thing is, too, is we're also on Instagram as well. So on Instagram, it's Let's Talk Jets. So follow us on Instagram. As you can see, we're trying to branch out. So uh, we, we appreciate the listens. We appreciate the followers, the supporters, and everything else. So with that being said, Joe, we're going to start out with the biggest news of the day. And the biggest news is that the Jets have decided to stay in Florham Park instead of go out to Cortland for training camp. Now, this created a variety of responses from, you know, a, a variation of the fan base. What's your take on that initially? I don't really have much of a problem with it. Um, I, I think that if this is the decision by, you know, Bowles and, and the rest of the front office to stay there and, and grind there and, and work on whatever they need to work on there, I don't have that much of an issue with it. Um, 
I know that in the past they wanted to move out and kind of isolate the guys and build the team's fear, but if they feel like they can do these things here, then then, then that's the decision that they've made, and we, we just can move forward with it. They, they clearly have a, their, you know, thumb on the pulse of the team. So if they can build team spirit there and practice all their plays and, get, and evaluate talent there, you know, with all the competition that we have going on at different positions, then let's move forward with that. What are your thoughts on it? Well, I'm just going to add, like, you know, our, one of our, our followers on Twitter, Dave Balcom, who's a, a great, great person to follow on Twitter, I'll, I'll tweet out his name. Um, he asks a, a bunch of questions. The benefits of staying there, the benefits of going away. Is this something Bowles is trying to do to establish a new tradition? So I'm going to say this. I think it's a good idea for two reasons. First of all, Cortland was a Rex Ryan. Cortland was known for Rex Ryan and his Jets. They had their programs. They had their plans. They had to, that was their culture there. Going away from that automatically is creating a new culture. So I'm fine with that. So that's, that's the first thing. Second thing is, right now, 21 of the 32 teams in the NFL stay at their own complex. So the days of everybody going away, that's, that's not a common thing anymore. The trend is to actually stay in your own complex. The New York Jets have a state-of-the-art facility. I've been there several times. The place is amazing. Several practice fields. The workout room is phenomenal. The, the lunch room, the cafeteria. The, I mean, you have an indoor facility. You name it, they have it there. Why not maximize that opportunity? So I have no problem with that either. So in terms of, of doing that, I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, it's, it's Bowles establishing his own thing. This is it now. It's his own camp. He's not following in Rex Ryan's shadow, per, per se, of following his path of going to Cortland. And now it's like they're, they're maximizing their facility. The only thing you have is, you know, the benefit of staying there is you're close to home, you're close to your family. You don't know if the Jets will force the players to stay in, like, a hotel nearby instead of going home. Those are things that haven't been worked out yet. That would be the only thing I'd be curious about, Joe, in terms of just having that camp feel where you're always around your teammates and getting that chemistry as opposed to practicing and then going home. Yeah, absolutely. But you can create that, like like you were speaking about. You can, you know, you can set a curfew where a guy can, you know, he has to be in at a certain time and, and that's just it, and, and create that kind of atmosphere there. So, I, I have no issue with it. Uh, we both agree that it's a, it's a good decision. You you have everything that you need at home, like you said, a state-of-art facility. Um, you have all the tools that you need there as well. You don't have to pack all that stuff up and get it moving around and, you know, waste money moving all that stuff up there to court. It's just, a, it's just a really good idea to just stay in your own spot and do what you need to do from there. Well, you and you touched on another thing, and this is something that – I thought was important too. You have a first-time general manager. You have a first-time head coach. You have, you know, for their first training camp, you're taking away a lot of stress and problems by staying home because then you have to worry about them both setting up their itinerary to move, doing all these things to coordinate that move to a different to a different location. You're taking away all that stress, all that pressure. That's all gone. What you're focusing on is your facility, your team, your practice schedule, and everything else. So that's another another benefit, I think, of staying there is taking away all those problems. Or not problems, just those all those itinerary plans and things like that. But the question I got today, and this was a very good question. Uh, I, for, I, I apologize for who, who asked it, but it was – are the New York Jets alienating their, the New York fan base? First of you know, they started out at Hofstra with training camp, and you know, I went there, and it was fun out in Long Island. Then they had training camp in Cortland, so it's still New York and things like that. Now, Joe, they play in New Jersey. They practice in New Jersey. Are they kind of alienating the New York fans, or is that the New York fans kind of being sensitive, saying, hey, listen, you know what, we're losing our team? Is it, what is your take on that? 
I don't. I think it. Some of it is the fans just being sensitive. I don't think they're alienating the fans. They're trying to strengthen the team. This is where you build your team right here. When you start practicing, you get your practice scheduling. You start to install the defenses. You install your offenses. You're trying to see who's going to be the best guy for the best for whatever position he's competing for, and who's going to start here. This is a time where it's time to dig in and get that foxhole mentality. You know, traveling and doing all these different things, no one's trying to alienate the fans, but we need to do this for the greater good of the team to build the team. So I think fans just need to relax a little bit. Let's throttle down a bit. You'll see them doing preseason. You you know, you'll see them, they'll do meet and greets. It's not like they're going to never go to New York ever again and the players are never going to be, you know, uh, touching the fans left and right and speaking to you or anything like that. No one's trying to do that. They're just trying to take care of business. That's what they're trying to do. Make sure that everything that's on that field is 100%. And that's where it starts. You have to get things done on the field. And this is the beginning of that. Yeah, I agree. The thing is, too, is the Jets are cognizant of their fan base in Long Island. They understand where their fans are at. But they made a business decision and a, and a and a team decision that they want to stay home and take advantage of their facility. And like you mentioned, they hold scrimmages at Hofstra. They're, they're going to hold scrimmages and practices in other locations to try to accommodate all their fans. So I, you know, I kind of agree with you. And listen, it's easy for me to say, listen, cause I'm in New Jersey. But the fact of the matter is, I live down the Jersey. I live down the Jersey Shore. When they when they practice in Cortland, they practice in Hofstra. I was driving hours to go see them. So all the New Jersey fans kind of got screwed for a long time. So, you know, it kind of came full circle a little bit, but if you want to see your team, you'll find a way to go see them, and that's going to apply if it's Cortland, Florham Park, or wherever else. So for me, it's not really a story to say, hey, you know what, they're, they're alienating the New York fans, you know, they're a New York team, they should play in New York. I mean, the Jets and Giants both play in New Jersey. That's never going to change. So but with that being said, we'll go on to our next topic, and, and Joe, I have to unleash on the media, and I have three guys I want to unleash on. And the first guy I want to unleash on is Phil Mushnick. This guy had the audacity to write an article about how the Jets PSL holders are basically paying for Antonio Camardi's child support. It was the most unprofessional, embarrassing, ridiculous, pathetic article I've ever read in my entire life. And I have no idea whether the New York Post tolerates him. I don't understand why he's allowed to write those kind of things, but it is absolutely ridiculous. And at some point, you've got to draw the line as a professional writer. I think he crossed it personally. And, Joe, I found it so damn offensive. And it's, it's like it didn't get many headlines because March Madness is going on, things like this. But it was just like, are you kidding me? Do you, do you really got to try to tell me that our money is going to Antonio Camardi to pay for his kids? It was, Joe, it was the most ludicrous, ridiculous thing I've ever read in my entire life. Yet again, it's New York media doing what New York media does. The slander, the disrespect, they're just aching for clicks, and this is top-line disrespect. This doesn't make any sense at all. You're taking personal shots at a guy. You know, you're saying things like that. It's just it's unprofessional, and it's ridiculous, and it's atrocious, and he's a, a bobblehead for that. So it's just <laughs> you just keep it moving and don't pay him any mind. You know, and I, but you know, it read it like you know we're used to Manish writing his dribble, who I'll get to next. But it was like mm. the, the the level of he made it personal. 
It wasn't about, mm-hmm. you know, like you paid a 31-year-old corner who's, you know, his skills are diminishing. It's not like, oh, you, pay, you, know, you paid a quarterback that has a leg injury. You went after how many children he has and his child support issues. And it, it was like off-the-field stuff. And, dude, it was, it's just inexcusable. It's absolutely frigging ridiculous. So now that we're done with Mushnik, the next guy I want to talk about is our buddy Manish. Manish was, was trying to be everybody's friend by making fun of the Patriots and doing all these things. And then he proceeds to absolutely trash Geno Smith. Here, you know, it's like people are acting like Geno Smith has been here 10 years, has lost 80,000 games, and is, you know, 40 interceptions a year. I mean, he's going into his third year, Joe. And it, it's just, listen, he, he struggled, but he's going into his third year. With a, a new coordinator, with a new offense, with a guy that a lot of people believe can help him. I mean, give the kid a break. So Manish is unloading on him how he's terrible, he's not a franchise quarterback, how he's not this, how he's not that. You know, it's like, how, you know, first of all, how does Manish sit in front of Geno come training camp and even ask him a question? You know, I, it's, it's amazing that Geno Smith will have the inner strength to not just either A, ignore him, or B, belt him. I mean, these rip jobs on Geno. Starting with the media and then the fans are getting ridiculous. This, I mean, this kid, he's not, he's not playing at a high level, but he, you know, give the kid a chance. He's going to be on the roster. He's not getting cut. He's not getting traded. And there's a very good chance he's going to be your starting quarterback. So ripping him and tearing the shreds, it's getting a little bit excessive now, don't you think? Absolutely. And I think that this is, this is Geno's year to, you know, kind of shut everybody up. You know, like you said, he's, he's not a guy that's been here 10 years. And it hasn't done anything. You know, this guy's been bounced. He's had, a, he, you know, he's had, a, he had his issues. He hasn't made, you know, hasn't played extremely well. But you know, he's got a new coordinator. He's got damn near a brand new offense. A lot of different guys. A lot of different pieces. He's got, you know, finally got some really solid receivers in there. A good solid core. And a, and a, and an offensive coordinator is going to bring in a game plan that's going to benefit him. So I think we just need to give him a chance. You know, let's see what the guy goes in there with. He's going to be in a, his first quarterback competition. Let's see if he goes in there and wins it. And if he does, then he's going to come out smelling like Rosen. All he's got to do is just perform the rest of the year, you know, be decent. This is the year for Geno to say, you know what, I hear all the haters. I hear what you got to say. I'm not going to mind you. I'm going to put my earmuffs on, and I'm going to play this game, and I'm going to play it well. And, you know, Manish, Manish is what Manish is. <laughs> this is just this is why I don't, I don't even read his article, because he does things like this. He'll smile in your face and stab you right in your back. Rip you one second, next day he's smiling and clapping for you. It's just, Manish is what he is. So it is what it is. Again, it's New York media doing what it does. You just got to kind of push it to the side and just be objective about everything you're doing. Yeah, and that's the thing. And my point was, you know, you're sitting there, it's like we're, you know, we're in the off season, we're getting ready for mini camps, things like that. And it's like, to, you know, the New York Jets are, you know, are a quarterback away from, from the playoffs, and Geno Smith's not that guy. How do we know that? Why? Because Marty Morningway couldn't coach him up? Because Rex Ryan couldn't get anything out of him? That's the end of Geno Smith's career? No, it's not the case. So while we're, while we're talking about guys in the media, I, I had this built up all weekend. The last one is Rich Semini. is a guy that, you know what, he's a guy that he, he's a notorious instigator with in terms of the fans and the players. But he comes out with an article already, Joe. Keep in mind, we haven't even thrown a pass on the field yet. Not one pass has been thrown yet. And he's already questioning the New York Jets quarterback competition process. He's already questioned the quarterback competition because Todd Bowles says that Geno's going to get the first string reps. Hey, Rich, 
Guess what? Ryan Fitzpatrick is hurt. What would you like the Jets to do? Name Matt Sims a starter now until Ryan Fitzpatrick can compete? I mean, are you like to criticize the quarterback competition now? I mean, Joe, we're not we didn't get to like workouts yet. Not even like it's like is that not insane? It just blows my mind. <laughs> That's what I tell you. I don't read these articles. It seems like he didn't do uh, a dang bit of research before he wrote that. Like you said, Ryan Fitzpatrick just hurt. Who's supposed to get the first string reps? Me? <laughs> this is crazy. Like, listen, Gino's, Gino's on the roster. Uh, Ryan's hurt right now. You know, our third senior editor, Matt Sims, or whether they bring somebody in as well. Hey, guess what? That's, that's where we're going right now. But it, it's not even over. Like you said, we haven't even gotten to work out. The draft isn't even over yet. We don't even know, you know, what moves they're going to make in the draft. Who knows? We might end up with another quarterback here. You know, there's, there's rumors swelling about Drew Brees. There's rumors swelling about Phillip Rivers. Not saying it's going to happen, but there's all types of rumors out there. Also, different quarterbacks. Matt Moore, I believe, is still out there. There's different guys out there that could be brought in that could compete as well. So let's just relax. Like, it, it, with, with the media, with the New York media, it's always about being negative. Being negative is always going to get you so many clicks. It's never about actually doing the research and trying to be half, half decently positive. Like, none of that. It's always straight to your throat, negativity, you guys are trash, and this is why. It's just, it's, it's just ridiculous. Let's just all calm down, not pay any attention to Manoush Meta or Samini, and, and just move forward from that. I'm, just, I'm so tired of those guys. But it yeah, and it's like is, is, yeah, it's ahead. garbage. And it, the thing is, it's just like you know what? I I think Bulls handled it properly. I mean, what else can you say? You know, it's like we're in March. What I mean, what do you want to say about the competition? Geno's our, our incumbent. He's gonna get the first team reps. Fitzpatrick's hurt. We'll go from there. Once training camp starts, yes, Gino will get the first team reps, and they're going to start competing. What else do you want them to say? And, and the, the last thing with Manish, and then we'll go to our callers and all these other topics, was he started to, he started to question Todd Bowles. Samini so questioned Todd Bowles about how he wavered with his play calling on defense. Initially, Todd Bowles said that Casey Rogers is going to be calling plays, and then he kind of said, you know, at the at the last at the owners meeting that you know he it's going to be a collaborative effort and that Bowles may have some say and things like that. He, here's the deal: Todd Bowles is implementing his new defense. He's going to have his fingerprints all over this defense. If initially he has to call plays to show Casey Rogers how he's going to call his plays and the style he wants and his philosophies, so be it. I mean, to question that now, can we get to training camp? Can we get to some preseason games? Let them work out all their bugs in terms of play calling, philosophy, strategies. And then he says, you know what? Here's your team. Here's your unit. Now you call the plays. To criticize Bold now at, at this point, it, again, is Joe, I read it. I was like, are you kidding me? We're having this conversation I, in March? Yeah, I, I can't wait to see what he's going to write in preseason. I mean, they're going to oh. have to do things like that to work out their kinks. I, I, I can't wait to see. That's why I pay no attention to him, to say something stupid like that. Listen, he's a defensive-minded head coach. He's a defensive coordinator at heart. He's also brought in Casey Robinson, a defensive coordinator. Like you said, it's going to be a collaborative effort, the same way it was with Rex and his defensive coordinators. It's the same exact deal. So you're going to have guys that are going to collab on plays to put players in the best positions to win their matchups. That's what's going to happen. It's common sense. So why would you write such garbage, Manoush? Because that's it, what it, you do. You write well, trash. It's a, you're a trash. Well, uh, Joe, it, it's Samini right. too. These these last this was yeah. Samini with with the, you know, and it's just like we got to understand. Listen, we're all excited. There's a lot of change, but there's going to be there's going to be growing pains and a learning curve. Chan Gailey's got He's going to have to identify his system and then implement it. Todd Bowles is going to have to you know 
develop his system, implement it, and then hand it off to somebody. I mean, it, it's, there's going to be a process here. It's not going to be like, okay, Casey Rogers has the team. Here he goes. Shane Gailey has his thing. Here he yeah. goes. It's going to take time. So with, with that being said, I'm sorry, I, had a, I apologize to our listeners, but I hate yeah. reading garbage in the media. I hate it. I can't take it. And some people buy into it, and they start criticizing the Jets. Keep your eyes open and have your own opinions. With that being said, we'll go to our first caller, and this is Kyle. Kyle, it's Joe and Tyson. Let's talk Jets. How you doing, man? Hey, how are you? Doing pretty good, man. What are you up to? Well, you know what? I've been listening to you guys for the past couple minutes, and you know what? I agree with almost everything you say. I'm sick of people trashing Gino. Yeah, I mean, what's your what's your take on Gino? I mean, it's going to obviously be an open competition, but do you have confidence with him, with Chan Gailey? Uh, I think definitely a new system where Gino can – I think he can thrive in this system. Chan Gailey's offense is actually almost basically what he did in West Virginia. And you know what? He wasn't that bad in West Virginia. I believe he won an Orange Bowl down in West Virginia. He was very good at West Virginia. He was like a Heisman candidate at one point. He was almost a player of the year candidate until he, he kind of fell apart towards the end. Yeah, and, you know, he yeah, he had Tavon Austin and Stedman Bailey at that time, but – you know, I think uh, Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker are better than them. So I think he has more talent here in New York. And I really think going into the season with Gino taking the first team reps and Fitzpatrick knowing Shan Gailey's offense already from uh, his years in Buffalo, if Gino gets the starting role in week one, I think Fitzpatrick can really help him out. Yeah, exactly. And, and I totally agree with you. I feel like Ryan Fitzpatrick is a guy that, that is, an adequate backup and a guy that can not not just an adequate backup, he can also come in and be a starter. I think he's a guy that's definitely going to push Gino to uh, possibly be, you know, uh, you know, for the quarterback competition. I'm wondering your thoughts on the quarterback uh, competition as well. What do you think about possibly bringing in another guy? And do you have another guy that is on your mind? Do you think we should draft Mariota, or do you, do you think there's still a guy out there like a Matt Moore that we should possibly bring in to add to the quarterback competition? Well, that's actually interesting that you bring it up because I've had my eye on this kid out of Colorado State. I don't know if you heard of him, but his name is Garrett Grayson. Yep. But I'm mm-hmm. telling you, I am I am high on this kid. I've watched a lot of tape. I've watched a lot of his games. And, uh, you know, I kind of see a Manning in him. He's got a deep arm. He's not that fast of a runner. You know, he's not a very bulky guy, but he's very accurate throwing deep downfield. And, you know, he doesn't really get uh, pressured in the pocket. He doesn't have those uh, uh, happy feet. Kyle, i got to ask you a question, man. How old are you? I'm 13. Dude, you, you're dropping the what – what, we have these young callers that call it just uh, unleash this knowledge. Now, my, my question for you is, what round are you taking Garrett Grayson in? Um, well, it all depends on his pro day. I think that was actually today. Um. And, you know, his personal interviews, if I were to draft him, I would hopefully steal him in the fourth round, maybe early fourth round, late third round. Okay. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's a fair round. Like, we have Ron Pickett that comes on. He does a lot of our draft evaluations. And Garrett Grayson, the guy that Ron Pickett's actually very high on. Now, what is your take on Mariota? Are you, if he's there at six, are you trying to trade down? Are you taking a pass rusher? Or do, you, do you pass on Mariota, I guess is my question. Well, that all depends on uh, what the trade offers are. You know, there have been a, ro- a lot of rumors recently about, you know, Philip Rivers uh, being uh, floated around as trade bait. 
And, you know, I've heard that San Diego is also uh, very high on Marcus Mariota, and maybe they could trade for him, uh, seeing as Philip Rivers, this is his last year on his contract, and he recently said that, you know, he's, he wants to play out his contract. He's not sure if he's staying in San Diego. Yeah, but here, see, you're taking the easy way out, though, man. But what is now? Say we get no trade offers, so now we're sitting okay. there at six, and Mariota's sitting there. What do you do? Um, you know, I love the kid, I really do, but I, I just don't think he translates to the NFL well. I don't think he's uh, quite big enough or fast enough. You know, a lot of those plays in Oregon that won him the uh, the Heisman Trophy. He, no offense to the Pac-12. But it's the Pac-12. You know, there's not a lot of very good defenses there. They're usually known for their high-flying offenses. So it's really easy to burn them, unlike, you know, the SEC. And what you saw um, when they played Florida State, you know, he threw a couple interceptions. That's a really good defense. When he played Ohio State in the national championship game, you know what, they lost. And I honestly think it was because of his play that his ability to play against those type of defenses is not at the ability that he should have to compete on the NFL level. Exactly. You are extremely wise, and you are here dropping knowledge. <laughs> My question to you is, if, if you're sitting at that six-pick and you're saying you don't want to deal with Mariota, which is great, I totally agree with you with that, where are you going with the pick? Would you rather trade down and address other needs, or are you going to fill another need that we possibly have on a team, maybe pass rushers? Well, I, I really like Vic Beasley. He is a he is the definition of a combine warrior. And, you know, the Jets have had eye on him going back to Rex Ryan's days when he used to really scout Clemson due to his availability because his son played there. And I believe he still currently does. But, you know, hopefully uh, we kept – I believe we kept one or two scouts from the Rex Ryan era. And hopefully, you know, they can tell the guys up in the front office, hey, Vic Beasley is the real deal. And when I look at Vic Beasley, I see a Justin Houston, just a little bit smaller, but you know what? He's faster, and his uh, his step off the line is phenomenal. And I honestly think he can beat tackles such as Joe Thomas, even DeBrickashaw Ferguson if they were to get one-on-one in training camp. Yeah, well, they, there was actually a comparison today with Vic Beasley where he, he was a Derek Thomas kind of clone where he was, you know, and he, he plays like he's 270, but he's lighter. So it's it, it definitely some yeah. comparisons. You know, it, it seems like a lot of people, a lot of Jets fans in terms of pass rushers are looking at they want either Fowler or Beasley. And, you know, and if they're not there, then here, here's my question for you. If those pass rushers are, say, gone and you don't want Mariota, would you go wide receiver like Amari Cooper? I love Amari Cooper. I look at this kid's tape down in Alabama, and Alabama plays in the FEC, as you most likely know, based off of your knowledge of football as well. He plays with the big boys. This isn't the Big Ten. This isn't the Big 12. This isn't the Pac-12. This is the SEC. This is college football. He plays against pro-style defenses and pro-style cornerbacks. No, he just gets the job done, and you know what? He's shown he can win in big games. I think he has two national championship rings already. And you know what? As a college player coming into the NFL, I really think that boosts you emotionally. And you just go out there and camp. And you know what? Besides Marshall, uh, Decker, and Curley, there are tons of free spots at wide receiver. We still have Quincy Nua who could be cut, Swain Hakeem, who I actually really like, but we could still cut him. Wait, like wait, 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 hold on, Kyle, Kyle hold on a second. Uh, I, I, I have to stop you. Did you just say, because right now you made, you made Joe's night, did you just say Salim Hakeem is good? 
Sleeve Hakeem's great. He's one of the fastest dudes I've ever seen. Kyle, you know. You know. You know. I like this guy. Me and you, friends. We are friends forever. Friends forever. You know talent. You know talent when you see it. You know you know blazing speed when you see it. Kyle, you know it, what? It's a pleasure Kyle, to have you Kyle, on the show. Kyle, I was just going to say you're one of the best callers we've ever had, and you just said it's Salim Akeem. I think you just lost 35 points in my book. <laughs> oh, I'm only kidding, Kyle. I'm only kidding. But, you know, yeah. the other thing is, Kyle, there's also you have T.J. Graham. You have, there's Shaq Evans. There's a lot of other guys there that can definitely, you know, do some things. So the wide receiver position is very interesting. Um, Kyle, before yeah. I let you go, are, are you are you on Twitter? Uh, no, I'm not. I got very sick of it after uh, reading a bunch of meta stuff. Okay, well, Kyle, first of all, we want to thank you for calling in, man, because you did a great job. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And, dude, you have some phenomenal information, and please call in again because we definitely appreciate it. Oh, no problem. I love being on your show. Cool. Have a good night, buddy. You too. Joe, first we had Dom last week who just dropped a ridiculous amount of knowledge, and, and now we have – I mean, this this is just complete complete insanity in terms of just knowledge. and just. Are you not overwhelmed? Totally overwhelmed. I mean, the kid knows what he's talking about. I mean, he knew everything, especially when he when he threw in the Salim Hakeem tidbit. I said, "Oh goodness, this kid knows what he's talking about. This kid knows." He broke down the draft. Wow. We, we pretty much I agreed to everything he said on the draft. Then he broke down the Salim Hakeem. He said, "Hey, there's some guys that need to get out of here, but Salim Hakeem, that guy needs to stay." You yeah. have me at hello. That's that's an impressive call. That kid's got he's got a future in talk radio for no doubt. And, and the, the, the one thing that we want to talk about, you kept mentioning other options at quarterback. Joe, I want to make an official on behalf of Let's Talk Jets. I want to thank the Baltimore Ravens. I want to send them a, big, a bouquet of flowers, even a case of beer mm-hmm. if I have to, for signing Matt Schaub. Thank you for that. Because there oh. was rumors going around the Jets were interested in Matt Schaub as maybe bring him in for competition or whatever else. Joe, I, I almost vomited. I was like, what? Like, we don't, if Matt Schaub is, is the answer, what's the question? So I'd like to thank the Baltimore Ravens for signing Matt Schaub. And that, I totally agree with you there. He stinks. <laughs> it's over for him. You know, he's, he's dwelling it down his career. That's one guy I would not want to have come here. I do not want to have anything to do with Matt Schaub whatsoever. It's, it's a done deal for him. Uh, thank goodness they got him. Let's just move forward and look for another body to get in here. Whew, no Matt I mean, Schaub, please. 
And, and and in all seriousness, I didn't understand it for the reason of we already had you have Fitzpatrick and Gino. Fitzpatrick's the veteran guy that knows the system, who can mentor and compete with Gino. You have Matt Sims. You're probably going to draft somebody. I don't I don't understand what even Matt, what purpose Matt Schaub would even serve. His arm strength is shot. He can't really do much. It, it's like it just it made no sense. If anything, I think it was Mike McCagnan doing a favor for his old buddy from Houston, saying, "Listen, we'll kind of try to generate a market for you to try to generate." some interest, but to me it made absolutely zero zero sense to even to even consider bringing him in here. Yeah, I I don't know what was going on. I I just I'm just glad we didn't sign him. I'm glad we didn't bring him in. Um, I know teams are just clamoring for you know veteran presence at at this point. You know just to get a guy in here to compete and push the guys and teach guys uh, some of the younger guys. So maybe that was part of the the things that were swirling around, but. Like you said, and like I said, he, you know, he's a done deal. So let's just move on and look yeah. for another guy to get in here and compete. Yeah, no, yeah, no doubt. If, if I'm bringing, the, if I'm bringing a competition now, it's a draft pick to compete with Sims and everybody else. It's not some some retread that's got absolutely nothing left in his tank. So, um, with that, we'll go back to our callers and we'll bring on our good friend Seth from Brooklyn who wants to talk about the draft. And Seth, you got a tough act to follow as Kyle just brought the heat in our last call. <laughs> I'll be quite honest. I wasn't listening. I just called in. So. Uh, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> he, Seth, he, he, he's 13 years old, and he dropped like ridiculous amounts of draft knowledge. It was it was quite impressive. Well, I'm glad to see that the Jets fan, the, the youth of the Jets fan, is quite knowledgeable. That just makes me happy. So I'm quite ecstatic to hear that. Uh, but I just wanted to make three quick points about the draft, if I may. Uh, the first thing is, assuming Randy Gregory uh, falls out of the top ten now due to the risk of obviously future suspensions, and assuming that Vic Beasley uh, gets drafted ahead of the sixth selection, which, which I think is very possible now because Gregory falls. I really feel as if, as a fan base, we need to take a long, hard look at wide receiver because I think at six, Kevin White, one of them will definitely be there, if not both. I, I really think the best value you might get out of that sixth overall selection is one of those receivers because I'm personally not a fan of Shane Ray. I don't like necessarily his limits in the sense of – uh, the, the complete game he can offer. but So I definitely think at the top, I think we definitely need to go wide receiver if the draft plays out the way I think it might currently. Secondly, I really feel as if the depth of this draft and the, and, and the cream of the crop of it is the running back position. And I think in round two or round three, you can get an instant starter out of the back. Someone like Jay Ajayi, Duke Johnson, Tevin Coleman, Amir Abdullah. I, I think there are some really good running backs you can pick from round two and three that can really be an instant starter and really be great value in that round. Um, and the third thing I wanted to say was is I really do not want to see the draft draft any quarterback in this draft. I know some people may be fans specifically of some quarterbacks in this draft, but I really feel out of every quarterback in this draft, aside from Mariota and Winston, who are not going to get and Hundley is the ultimate wild card, which I really don't think is a good selection at this point. I really feel their career backups at best. So those are my three points. Those are three things I hope McKechnie does in this draft, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. Yes, absolutely. Um, I, I, I can see the draft shaking out that way. I don't know if I would take Amari Cooper at six, because I feel like, I mean, he would, I guess, be there for the long haul, but he, you know, we're already stacked at wide receiver here. Um, I think there's other needs we could possibly address. Maybe even stockpile picks and, and, and trade down. That's something I would definitely look at. Just moving forward in the future, you know, something that can help us next year 
uh, next year's draft as well. Um, my question for you is, if you're going in round two, you're going running back, what's the back that you're looking to draft there, if they're available, that you would bring in? Who would you draft to, you know, to bring to the Jets? Whew. There is a, oh, my God. Um, I think the guy I'd really like is Jay Ajayi from Boise State. Um, he had a tremendous season. I think he averaged over five yards to carry. Uh, I think close to 1,700 yards. Uh, the, the, the guy is proven productively. The guy has the physical traits. He's six, six foot, 220 pounds. He ran a 4'5". Um, I really think he can be a really good starter, but I'm also a big fan of Duke Johnson. I really think Duke Johnson is yeah. you. Um, he might be a little shorter. He's only 5'9", I think, but maybe a bit more explosive, uh, especially, um, you know, at the backfield when you throw it to him. Um, I think those are the two I'd like the most, but there are, there are, there's a list of four or five running backs in round two or round three that you can draft, and I think I'd be perfectly fine with. Um, even Tevin Coleman, yeah. another player. Yeah, there's, there's like, like you said, there's like four or five guys. I mean, I, I'm a, I like Duke Johnson myself. That's the kind of guy that the more I read about, the more I like about him. And actually, Ron Pickett wrote a great article about running backs and broke down Duke Johnson's game. Um, Seth, go back, going back to your point about wide receivers, I agree with you. Because, you know, I, I respect the fact that we have Brandon Marshall on team, but there's a, there's a chance he could be a one-year guy here. If, if things don't work out, he's gone next year. So then it's like, okay, now we're back to Decker, Curley, and who? If you could plug in Amari Cooper here, and even having Amari Cooper learning from a Brandon Marshall, I think it's a positive. So I'm kind of with you. The only question I have for you is, are you assuming that Fowler would be gone too at six? I'm assuming this is a draft. This is how I'm assuming the draft plays out. Uh, once in one, Mariota at two, whether it's Tennessee or someone else, I don't know. But I'm really confident right now Mariota is going to number two. I'm assuming uh, Dante Fowler goes three. I'm assuming okay. uh, Leonard Williams goes four, and I'm assuming Tennessee goes five. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, if that's the case, if it plays out like that, then wide receiver is definitely something that I would explore. I, I would. I mean, you, like I, I think Randy Gregory, like you mentioned, is going to be dropping. I don't think Shane Ray's a guy you take there. Um, you know, there's somebody mentioned to me about Bud Dupree. I think that's way too high. I, I mean, a lot of people. Some, yeah, I think so too. So people were saying, you know, like you know, at that point, Amari Cooper, is, he's a great professional, things like that. So I, I completely agree with you. But Seth, before we let you go, what is your share with everybody your Twitter handle, man? You always share great Jets information and let get your name out there a little bit. Uh, actually, my Twitter handle. I'm going to have to be starting a new one one of these days because it's. Uh, I usually I need the old Twitter handle just for uh, following Sportcaster. It has like my fake alias on it, um, so I don't have a Twitter handle worth following yet. I'm gonna get a new one <laughs> one of these days, uh, but uh, it's probably gonna be at Seth uh, and then last name Plout P L A U T. Uh, I don't really write much, but you know when something big happens, whether it's Jets related or something else, I usually offer my thoughts or the draft. Because I have to say, I think my favorite event in the NFL, aside if the Jets ever make if the Jets make the playoffs. Uh, it's NFL draft because I think the NFL draft is where the most action, fun, and just the most uh, intense moments happen. Um, so I really look forward to the NFL draft every year. Yeah, this year could be quite nerve wracking for the first six picks, no doubt. So, Seth, once again, man, we appreciate you calling in. Have a good night, man. Thank you so much, Joe. We're gonna stay on the we're gonna stay on the calls, man, because we have a gazillion calls lined up. So we're gonna go to our next caller who wants to talk about the draft, and this is Mike. Mike, this is Joe and Tyson. Let's talk Jets. How you doing, man? Hey, Joe and Tyson, how you guys doing? I'm a new fan of the show. Um, What's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing good. Um, I started listening to the show um, when I first heard Fireman. Ed was on um, 
great show, by the way. That gave me a little bit of chills when I heard him talking. That was epic. Um, <laughs> I, just want, I just wanted to give some input on the draft. Um, I know you guys are not a fan of Marcus being drafted at number six, but I seriously think you guys should look more into it because I see a lot of people hating on Gino. I'm a big fan of Gino also, but I feel like this is a new regime. I feel like you should bring in Mario to S6 and just let the best man win. Like, a fair competition, because you know it was never a fair competition with Rex. I feel like a clean slate for everyone. If it's not Mario, so, so be it. If Gino wins it, so be it. I mean, at least he earned it. I want him to earn the position. I don't want it to be handed to him. You understand? Like, I feel like that's one of the biggest mistakes Jets made. But then again, but then again, but then again, we do need an edge rusher. I, I'm a big fan of Dante Farrell. I've seen his highlight tapes. The man is an animal. He's a beast. But I also like Randy Gregory also. I really Yeah, but see, really... but your problem is, though, okay, so here's my question for you. If at six, and we'll, we'll talk about the, your thoughts on Mariota, but at six, it, it say if Fowler's there and Mariota's there, who are you taking? Fowler. But Fowler's not what ha- going what happened that to your What happened to your strong stance on Mariota? <laughs> Fowler's not going that far. I'm thinking logic. I'm being realistic. Fowler's not going to six. six. It's not happening. He's too great. He's too ready for the NFL. He's physically, he's just a beast. I truly feel like our best option is either Randy Gregory or Vic Beasley. And mind you, Randy Gregory, to me, is the most skillful out of the three. I'm not saying he's the best. But I, I think he has moves on top of moves. I've seen his tape. The man has skills. The talent is there. But is the work ethic there? Is he is he consistent enough as is to stay in shape and not smoke marijuana and do stuff like that? You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> but besides that, I truly feel talent-wise, he's the best. He's the most talented out of Vic and Dante. But Dante, for some reason, physically, he's an animal. He's just ready to play right now. I think that's that another thing I think they should think about is they could trade down also. I think that that will work even great because I truly feel Randy Gregory's stock is going down. So they might get him later on at a later pick and hopefully draft a running back also. I truly feel the Jets need a speedy running back. I feel like – yeah. We do. We're 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 on the complete same page as you with that. I think Joe and I both think within the second or third round we're going to go running back. And, and just just going back to your quarterback point real quick is, you know, we don't. I don't think Joe and I neither one of us hate Mariota. I don't think he's going to be available at six. I, I'm kind of on the I'm kind of in the Geno camp where I want to see what Geno can do in Chan Gailey's offense, and I think Ryan Fitzpatrick's a suitable backup for him. Um, in terms of Mariota, go ahead. I, agree with you. I think he's a. I think Fitzpatrick is probably one of the best things the Jets could have done also. He's extremely smart. I feel like he'll be able to break down certain things for Geno and put him in a situation where he might, I mean, bring his game to another level. But when it, when Geno threw three picks in the first quarter against the Bills, something about him just, I was like, oh, man, we can't trust this guy. Like, yeah, but see, still, my, you know, but see, now I'm going to, I hate being in this spot, but I'm going to have to do it. You know, at some point, don't you blame Rex Ryan and don't you blame Marty Morningwig for lack of accountability? Lack, I mean, for, from things, even going back to the San Diego game when Gino was late for the... 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Meeting. The fact that he yeah. started the next day was ridiculous. Exactly. So, how, how would you let him start? That made no sense. And another, another so, thing, see, I was a big, was a big well, fan <laughs> But the only thing is, I mean, just... Go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. All right, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, the other thing is, it's just, like we, you know, there's a lot of things that happen that, you know, Argino's fault, is the coaching staff's fault. Is per, there's so many people to blame for a variety of things that I'm almost yeah. at a point where this is a fresh start for Gino, and like Joe said before, this is his last stand. I mean, he's going to get he's going to get a chance to compete for the starting job, to win the job. Yeah. It is going to be an open competition, and the best man wins. And if Gino wins, he's got to take advantage of it. So, exactly. you know, it's, I, I totally agree with that. But that's why I said it. if Marcus is at six, I feel like you should throw him in that competition because he's a, he's the future. The man is he ran a four five at the combine. He's a freak athlete. They don't come that often. I truly feel like he's one of those prospects. And, no, and no, one thing I also like about this kid, he is extremely humble, and he's not a troublemaker. Some guys, they have little ego issues. They get into the league. They start switching up their whole character. And I truly feel Gino's one of those guys. But I feel like Mariota, he's a true leader. He's not going to give you, like, like, that much drama. I feel like... He's always politically correct. I feel like he's like one of those Russell Wilson type of players for the Seahawks over there. I feel like if you put him in the right in the right environment, he will flourish and he will prove that he's the better man. I truly feel like the moment if he if he, if they do draft him, the moment he steps with his foot on camp, he will outshine Geno so bad. It's gonna be oh, a parish. I truly believe that. <laughs> Some people don't believe it, but I'm so serious. Mike, Mike, we, we got, we got, we got, <laughs> <laughs> listen, man, we appreciate all your opinions. We got, we got a ton of callers on hold right now. We appreciate, first of all, thank you for listening and thank you for calling in and, and keep listening, man, because I'm pretty sure Joe's going to unleash a Mario to Arsenal, but uh, thank you for calling, man. We, we appreciate it. Sorry, I'm going to keep listening. I'll follow you guys on Instagram also and on Twitter. I'm a big fan. Shout out, big shout thank out to you guys. You guys are doing man. Thank you, man. We appreciate it. Joe, I know you were sitting in your seat just cringing over there. You were ready just to... Uh, <laughs> my Joe, goodness. We got a ton of callers on the line right now, so we're going to go to our next caller. This is this is Tom, who also wants to talk about the draft. So, Tom, this is Joe and Tyson. Let's talk Jets. How you doing, man? I'm all right. How about yourself? We're doing good, man. What, what are you thinking about with the draft? You know, with the draft, I think... With this team, yeah, I really like the uh, – it's hard to say this after the last couple of seasons, but I'm actually very happy with our wide receivers going into the year. Um, I don't think 
you know, these people are saying, you know, they should take Cooper if he's there, uh, maybe even White. Um, I think, honestly, uh, in order for our defense to take that next step, as good as the inside of our line has been with, uh, you know, with all of our inside guys, it, I think they've kind of covered for the outside guys a little bit. And, like, they don't really get enough pressure one-on-one. I think a pass rusher is definitely the way we need to go. And I, I totally agree with you. I can see your point there. I'm wondering, what pass rusher would you take it to? Um, honestly, it would probably be, it would be Fowler, number one. And it's a tie between Gregory and Beasley, which I do believe at least one of them will be there, especially Gregory after this news. Um, I really liked him coming into the draft before, you know, I, I honestly didn't even know he had these problems in college or anything until recently. Um, I've always kind of liked him. What kind of scares me is when I see mock drafts where it has Shane Ray in the top 10. Cause you know, I, I just don't, I'm not sold on him taking him that high. Yeah. I don't think, I think Shane Ray's kind of like fallen. I mean, that was early on in like the whole draft process or scouting process. His name came up, but I think he's kind of fallen back until like the later part in the first round. Um, you know, right now the, the hot team seems to be Fowler, then Beasley. And then like you said, Gregory falling, what is your take on Mariota? If he's there, are you taking him or are you trying to, what are you doing about that? Uh, I'm really – it's hard for me because originally during the year um, and everything when college was still going on, I loved Mariota, wanted him on the Jets 100%. And, you know, going into the national championship and watching that game, you know, I something I, – I'm, I'm just up in the air about it. I mean, if the, uh, if the new regime with uh, – you know, McCagnan, whatever. Like, it's going to say a lot what he thinks about Mariota. If it's in question, where, you know, they Come don't Come on, Tom, you got Tom. You can't, you, can't, you can't hesitate, man. You're on the clock right now. Mariota's there at six. Are you taking him or not? If, well, I'm, I'm speaking for McCagnan. If, if he, they think he's a for sure starter, <laughs> you know, if they think he could be a star – then 100%. But if they're they're a guy who they think they need to bring in and give some work and make him a little more of a project where it might pan out, it might not, I don't think it's worth it. Yeah, and, and, and that's what, that's my problem with, with Mariota and the selection of him at six. It's just, he, he's not a slam dunk guy. There's there's some holes in his game, and I know the last caller just, oh, I was doing, just ready to go and unleash on uh, Mariota. I, I don't think he's a bad prospect, but I just think he's not ready. And if he's not a slam dunk guy, you just can't take him at six. And I, I just don't think – can't see that being done. Uh, just kind of flipping sides, our, our running back position, we, you know, we have Chris Ivor, we have Bilal Powell, but we're kind of – we're missing that, that next level back, that speed back, that change of pace guy. I'm wondering who you're looking at, possibly in the second round or, you know, maybe if the draft shakes out and we trade down late in the first round, who would you look at possibly bringing to the Jets to kind of give us that oomph at that running back position? Um, to be honest with you, I haven't looked into the backs that are coming out too much this year. Um, I've really been just hearing about, you know, who's going to be our first pick. Um, I actually was 
the free agents that were out there this year, I thought we would at least grab, you know, one guy. Um, because last year it seemed like we were loaded. This year, I'm really not too sure. I mean, I'm happy with Ivory and everything. Uh, I think he's a he should be our starter. But I do agree that we need that feedback, that uh, extra threat. Yeah, I mean, we did, we did um like I did an article today with Ron Pickett, who we'll we'll tweet out again. He broke down all the running backs, like a like you know, top five, top ten running backs, and there's several to talk about. I mean, you got Duke Johnson, Tevin Coleman, you know, a a Jahi from Boise State. You know, there's a bunch of guys. I mean, Melvin Gordon, obviously. But so there's a lot of guys out there, and I think it's probably going to happen second, third round. I wouldn't be surprised the second round, to be honest with you, because they need a dynamic pass catcher out of the backfield, a guy that could take it to the house, a perfect compliment to Ivory, where Ivory's that bowling ball. You have this guy that can, you know, just get out of the backfield and just take off and take it to the house. So I think it's definitely a position the Jets are going to address. And, and when you get a chance, we'll tweet out the article. Ron did a great job, but there's some serious running backs out there that can, can definitely do some damage and the Jets can use. Um, Tom, first of all, we want to thank you for calling in, man. We appreciate it. And, you know, we're going to have plenty of guests coming on, draft analysts coming on in the next couple of weeks. So be sure to tune in, man. Oh, absolutely. It was great. Have a good night, man. All right, take care. All right, Joe, we got some busy lines, dude. This is crazy. And, you know, Joe, the, the cool thing is is that everybody, it's like, you know, a lot of Jeff fans are buying into the pass rusher philosophy. They're open-minded to, to a wide receiver. So it's pretty interesting to see how we used to always be quarterback, 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 and now everybody is kind of getting to getting used to the idea where it's like, hey, you know what? A pass rusher can pay good dividends as well. So with that being said, we're going to bring on our next caller, and this is our good friend Kyle. Kyle wants to talk about the second-round options. So, Kyle, this is Joe and Tyson. What's up, man? Tyson, Joe, it's a pleasure to speak with both of you again. What's up, man? How about how about the other Kyle? I mean, wow! I mean, not only is this kid 13 years old know a lot about football, and you guys again, you were hitting him with questions just like the kid that you had on last week, and he was answering them, but he was also very eloquent. I think that was even more impressive thing. It's crazy. We're sitting. He had. He definitely is a future in, in talk radio. It was just like he had like in depth knowledge. You think he was like a you know a twenty two year old working for ESPN or something? For real. And you know what? It gives me confidence. You guys were bashing on the media, rightfully so, the Manish Meadows of the world, and it gives us confidence that we might have some legit, you know, people in sports talk radio and just sports media in general in the future. We know. We to, be on, to be honest with you. To be honest with you, I think one of the best parts of social media is that fans now are more educated than ever. I mean, we have Absolutely. so much access to so much information that you don't have to rely on the niche to get your information. You can follow, like, a Jeff Lloyd or a Ben Albright or any of these analysts, even a Connor Hughes, who we had on a couple of weeks ago, guys that give, like, tremendous inside information or quality player evaluations, like Ron Pickett, another guy, so that we can learn more on our own instead of relying on some mainstream media to give us information. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree with you. Okay, so going to my question, I'm obviously interested in, you know, good teams, they you know they don't just draft good in the first round, but they draft good in later rounds as well. And obviously the second round is still a pretty early round, but, you know, you got to win in later rounds. And when you consider the draft picks that the Jets have had in the second round over recent years, you're talking Vlad Dukat, you're talking Stephen Hill, traded up to get Stephen oh. and And obviously Geno Smith is unproven yet. I mean, you're talking some lackluster second-round picks. So I think the Jets really need to hit a home run with the second pick, you know, and obviously many people are saying they need to go best player available. 
So when you consider, I'm going to just throw off some names to you guys, you know, who's the guy that they got to take? If, if, it's, if Duke Johnson, Amir Abdullah, Jay Ajayi, Tevin Coleman, Justin Hardy, Devin Smith, this, guy, this kid Perriman, and let's say Dorio Green-Beckham slips because of character concerns. You, you know, you see all the Baltimore Ravens. Ozzie Newsom said, we're not going to take a guy that he's got a domestic violence issue. Let's say he manages somehow to slip into the second round. Out of all those guys, who do you take? Uh, and, and maybe even offensive linemen as well, like like a Lakin Tomlinson. I mean, the Jets, obviously, the offensive line is not a strong suit of them right now. So, out of all those guys, who do you guys like? I'd like to hear each of your opinions. Yes, Kyle, I want to thank you for calling in, man. You're always awesome to speak with. My pick is definitely going to be a Duke Johnson. Um, I'm looking for a change of pace guy. I know we have Ivory. I love Bilal Powell as well. But I want a guy that's going to give me some oomph and get it going. And I think that's a guy that's going to do that. He's definitely going to give Ivory a breather as well. His running style is extremely physical, you know, it's taxing. Um, he's going to need to sit out on that bench from time to time and take some breath. And I think Duke Johnson can come in and be that explosive guy that's going to, you know, open ho- get through open holes and, and get things moving in our offense. What is the guy that you would take uh, in that second round? I agree with you. I really like Duke. And, you know, especially, I mean, Ivory – he obviously he really improved a lot in his, his pass catching this year. I mean, he was terrible his first year, but he's still not that receiving back. So you need that receiving back. So I, I, I definitely am very high on Johnson. In fact, if you guys follow turn on the Jets, Connor Rogers actually has Duke Johnson ranked as his 23rd player on his big board. Hey, but see, my, my question for you is this, is who are we taking in the first round pick? So we're talking about Duke Johnson, but who do we take in the first round before we answer who we take in the second round? Yeah, obviously, well, if you're taking Duke in the second, you're obviously not taking a running back. You better not take a running back at six. Anyway, it doesn't matter who. Um, no, but I'm saying if we take, just say, for example, but just say, for example, if we take Mariota, just say if we do and I'll, whatever, if we take Mariota at six, if we're going in the second round and there's, say, a Randy Gregory or a, a Bud Dupree there or something like that, that's when things start getting interesting because I still think we need a pass rusher. So if we're not getting that pass rusher in the first round and now we're in the second round, what's more important to us, a, a pass rusher that could be hopefully make some plays or the running back? That would be something if Randy Gregory slipped to the second round. That would be something. Um, yeah, I, mean, I mean, if Randy Gregory's there in the second round, you got to take him. I mean, there's no question. I don't care if he failed the drug test. I mean, he's just too talented, way too talented. <laughs> With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.
But you see, see my point though is like that. That's where like you know everybody talks about you know like we want you know Mariota's great. That it changes your whole philosophy then because still our pass rusher is not there. We still need a running back. We still need other holes. We still have other holes. So it makes things very interesting. And and I'll, I'll join your I'll join your party on Duke Johnson. I think you know reading a lot about him, watching his tape, and talking to Ron Pickett about him. I mean it's. A guy like that, you just you love that ability. I think the Jets have been needing that since who? We've had last person we had like that was maybe what, like a Leon Washington, maybe, or I mean, I can't even think of a guy like that that we've had in the past, like that explosive running back that could. We thought it was going to be Joe McKnight. That wasn't the case. Not at all. The Jets have been pretty awful drafting in later rounds in recent years. Guys, I have another quick question. If you don't mind, I know your lines are really busy. Fire away. All right. So. In some very strange odd event, which I don't see happening, if Jameis Winston happens to slip to number six, do you take oh. him? <laughs> oh, no, 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 Kyle. No, no, absolutely not. No, no, close the door. No, don't do it. Don't do it. Listen, listen, Kyle. Jameis Winston is crazy, okay? He is crazy. And the media here will eat him alive, okay? It will absolutely eat him alive. This is a guy you – Look, he's talented as all get out. We all know that. He's probably the better. He is the best quarterback in the draft as far as, you know, skill-wise. He can make every single he can make every single throw. He's got a big arm. He can do things. He can read defenses. But off the field, this guy is a bomb, and he's going to explode soon enough. And he's a ticking time bomb, and I do not want that here in New York. They will absolutely destroy him. They will follow him from the time he leaves his house, apartment, or wherever. From the, time, from the time he gets to the field, he will never have a breath without a mic in his face and a, and a media member following him around or on top of his back. Don't do it. Do not take him. Move on, see, you move know forward, what? move down. See, Kyle, you know what? See, Joe Joe is still upset about the whole Mariota talk where he couldn't respond about Mariota. Uh, so now he's taking it out on Winston. So now I'm going to calm him uh, down and bring the voice of reason back to the show. And if Winston's okay. there at 6... I'm running. I'm running up to there, and I'm taking him. And the reason why you're taking him is because I listen, Joe. I, I respect the fact that he has off the field issues, but at some point you got to trust your front office, your coaching staff, and the veteran leaders around you to help your young player out. And I think where Rex Ryan ha- kind of had like a little bit more of a looser hold in the locker room, I'm hoping that Todd Bowles has a better hold. And I think if you have a talent like that, especially a quarterback, and if you're worried about the off the field, you control the off the field. You manage him. You, you give him the nurturing that he needs to make him avoid those problems. And then you have a franchise quarterback, in theory. So, I mean, Kyle, for me, I'm, I'm not going to – I never thought I'd say this, but, I mean, at six, I'm taking Winston, and I'm not even looking back. I'm, I'm taking that chance because I think he's, he's good to do that. What is your take on that? I, I agree with you, Tyson. And, Tyson, I'm interested to hear your thoughts what? on this. To me, I see – when you you know, there was talk, oh, Jameis, he doesn't need to throw at the combine. But to me, it seems like Jameis thrives under pressure. Do yep. you think that he'd be able to handle the New York media better than pretty much any other quarterback? I think he will, and here's why. He He's a charismatic guy. He understands the situation that he's in. I mean, if you look at the combine, his press conference at the combine, he, he blew it away. That big smile, he, he brushed off questions that, he, that could have been, like, controversial. The kid's very aware. He's, he's media savvy, too. So I think the, the New York media will go out of their way to try to attack him. I think the Jets initially will probably try to, you know, they'll try to kind of coax him into certain things, but I think he can handle it. I, like you said, he thrives under pressure. I mean, he played he played in a big spot. He, he won games. Where, you know, it's 
I mean, I, I think, and you know what the funny thing is? I think he'll handle it better than Mariota. I'll even say that, Joe. I think that Winston is Whoa. better prepared for the media than Mariota is. Uh, absolutely I, I totally not. agree with that. Whoa, absolutely <laughs> not. I think the whole media savvy, you know, <laughs> the voice of reason, you know, this voice is not very reasonable. Let's just get this out the way. Uh, that voice is not very reasonable, and I'm not listening to that voice. I, I'm going to go, go with facts, okay? I'm going to go with facts. This is where the voice of the facts come in, Joe Facts. That's what they call me. Um, let's talk about his issues in college. You said you respect his off-the-field things. Well, look at what he did in college, okay? You're talking media Who cares? Savvy. That's Dude, this is about that. We no, no, can't live in the past. No, no, no. No, 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 no. We do talk about past incidents here. That's why, we're talk- that's why when we talk about Greg Hardy, we talk about not bringing him in. Jameis Winston has some of the has issues off the field, major issues off the field. I'm not saying he has the same issues as Greg Hardy, but I am saying he has major issues off the field. This whole media savvy thing and all that stuff, that's him being coached by his team to get him drafted. He's had a hand extended to him by, Dale, by uh, Derek Brooks uh, from Tampa Bay, and he has done nothing at all to talk to that man about bringing him into his life and possibly making him a better pro prospect. He's done none of those things. He's all but – Absolutely, just paid no attention to people that have wanted to help him out and make oh, him look better. Such a hater. That, that's fact. No, that's not hate. That's factual. Facts is this. Facts is you're talking about he's ready for the New York media. He can't handle the media where he is. He's too busy stealing he cab legs and doing other stupid stuff off the field. Let's be serious. Hey, Joe, here. Joe, I okay. have a question for you. Yeah, go ahead. I don't know if you guys have ever tuned into Daniel Jeremiah's Move, Move to Six podcast, but. He did an interview like where he basically likened himself to Magnum PI where he's a scout and he goes does all this investigative work. And he spoke to a lot of people at Florida State about Jameis Winston and stuff and he said in his analysis or in his investigation, he couldn't find a single person to speak negatively about him. He even went to nope. speak to people on the baseball team and everybody was just raving about the kid. Hmm? Well I'm yeah. I'm sure that they are raving about him. He's the big man on campus. But if you look at the actions and things that he's done off the field, where he's, he's had police, he's dealt with, you know, other issues off the field, those things will tell you exactly what he's doing here. They're not going to say anything negative about Jameis Winston down there in Florida, okay? That's, that's just factual. That just is what it is. But what, about, what about Johnny Manziel? Johnny Ma- Go ahead. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I cut you off. No, I'm going. I'm going with facts, and I'm going with down on paper. And down on paper tells you he can't handle pressure because if he makes decisions like that, like he made in Florida, in New York, it's game over. You'll never hear the end of it. It'll be on the front page and the back page. <laughs> He'll be all over the place. This is a whole different media presence than what's down there in Florida. Let's be Joe, that guy I, makes Joe, a lot of really dumb decisions. Joe, I'm telling you right now, you you initially were the man that people were almost all our su- listeners and supporters always take your side over mine. I think you've lost your entire fan base as everybody thinks you're absolutely, absolutely insane. <laughs> but guys, we got guys, we got we got to move on because we got like a bunch of callers on the line. Kyle, once again, man, thanks for calling in. We always appreciate it, and uh, thank you for stirring up this Winston debate because now Joe's gonna be bowling for the rest of the night. <laughs> Anytime, guys. It was a pleasure as always. <laughs> take care, oh. Kyle. Joe, you're getting it good tonight. First, you get the Mariota guys calling in. They get the Winston guys calling in. <laughs> I knew it was going to be Kyle. He was going to be the one to get me steamed up, man. He was the one to get me boiling. Oh, oh man. Here we go. <laughs> well, we're going to stay with our we're going to stay with our busy phone lines. And, and once again, it's nine two nine four seven seven two six five one. On Twitter, it's at TalkJets Radio, which Kevin's trying to do his best to keep up with us, but we're just firing out all kinds of crazy quotes. So we'll go to our next caller. This is a 
a 13-year-old again. It's our friend Kyle talking about, oh, Gregory. This is going to be a good one. Mm. Kyle, this is Joe and Tyson. Let's talk Jets. How you doing, man? Hey, how are you guys doing again? We're doing pretty good, buddy. What's on your mind? You know what? I just heard your guys' whole conversation about Winston, and uh, I think you guys think you're right when you say he lost his whole fan base. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate, I appreciate your support, man. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. And it actually ties into what, I, what my thoughts about Randy Gregory are. I actually think players with problems in college are actually a very good thing for the team itself. You know, you get a very talented player, but, you know, people want to make fun of you. What they don't know is that in those contracts that they give them, and especially in a first-round uh, quality player or a first-round pick, you know, you can have those guys by the hair, basically. You know, if they screw up one time, I could cut their pay for the year. The, the team themselves can save up to millions of dollars if these, if these dudes messed up. And you know what? Those guys will never act up again if, if they're going to lose millions of dollars if they get arrested or they get caught uh, smoking pot or they get caught stealing crab webs from a Publix. And as a person who lives in Florida, you and I live in Florida, oh. and, and you have no idea how much Seamus Winston goes through down here, I can't imagine it with the New York media. I can already see the headlines. New York bozo is too cheap to get crabs. <laughs> I, I want to thank you for calling in. My, my my thing about your argument is this. Yes, you can have a player by the hair, but the problem is you don't want to draft a guy that you have to have by the hair. That's the issue with that. Yeah, you can kind of cut millions from his salary. You can structure a contract where, you know, if the clause is in there, where if he gets in any type of issues, you can you can absolutely, you know, take money away from him and sit him down. But the problem is, is that guy that you drafted in the first round, if, if Winston slides down to six, you're taking him at six. He needs to produce. He needs to do something there. So I think he will. To have, well, that's, that's the thing. You think he will, but the problem with Winston is that his off-the-field is huge issue. If he didn't have off-the-field issues, there'd be no, no, he'd be a no-brainer, number one. No-brainer. That's of course. With him. You think he will, but you have to depend on the fact that even though history shows you that he has issues off-the-field, he had him in college. He had him before that. And now you're telling me that he's going to come into the pros and totally change? Look at Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel had some of the same issues. He had issues off the field in college. He had issues off the field before college. Guess what? When he came into the NFL, he had issues. He has issues. And I'm, I'm yeah. not saying that they're, the, they're not the same talent. They're not the same talent base. That's not what I'm no, saying. No, they are not. James, they are not. Yeah, I think James is a much better pro prospect. But – better pro prospect or not, if he's not on the field, he's not on the field. If he's constantly getting in trouble off the field and that gets him suspended or something else, banned, you know, whatever, then he's not playing. So it doesn't matter whether he has a better skill set or not. He's not playing. So it doesn't matter. And on top of that, you got the bad media and all the bad press and all those things coming down on you too. And I just don't think he's a fit for here. Skill set wise, absolutely. I take Jameis Winston all day. But if we're talking about a guy that I'm taking at six and I'm saying this, this is possibly going to be my franchise quarterback, this is the guy that's possibly going to be the face of my franchise, probably maybe even my day one starter, and I can't trust him off the field, I'm not taking him at six. I can't take him that high. I can't. Hey, but, Joe, what um, is but Joe, but his what? point was more about Randy Gregory, though. What, what is your talk? Like, we, I, I understand the concerns well, with, with Winston, about, but, yeah. but what about Randy Gregory, though? 
Well, my thing about Randy Gregory is, and I, I, I have some of the same questions about Randy Gregory with the, with the marijuana and things like that. I think he's, a he's not going to make it. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if he's going to make it or not. My, my thing is that players that have problems like Winston, like Gregory, I don't know if you can take them that high. You can't because if you look at the history of players that have problems like that, that are taken high like that, often those issues work themselves out in the NFL too, and then boom, you end up with a, a technically a bust because you drafted a guy that's not producing, so he's a bust. You drafted a guy in the first round that's not playing or have issues off the field he's constantly suspended. Look, at a, a, you know, there's guys that, that have come into the league like that all, all over the time all before. We can't do that here. We can't gamble with this sixth pick because – we need a pass rusher. There's other things that we need there. And I know we, you know, we need to address our quarterback position. We could get some competition in there. But if, if Gregory is there or if Winston is there or even if Gregory as a pass rusher is there, I don't know if we can take those guys that high because they have off-the-field issues. That's why I, I yeah. see us taking another pass rusher and things like that. Um, my question to you is, say if, say if Gregory is off the board, say if Winston is off the board, who are you taking with the sixth pick? Uh, geez, he got me in a pickle here with no trade <laughs> options. Basically, he's saying that say say just say Winston's gone, Mariota's gone, and just say Gregory's yeah. gone. So now you're gonna have like Fowler be and, and say Fowler's gone too. Who are you taking at six? Um, based on talent wise, and you know what, for a uh, positional and depth, and you know Brandon Marshall might not be there in a couple of years. I gotta go uh, Amari Cooper. Mm. And I want to go back oh. to the, the Jameis Winston subject. I have, <laughs> I have a little uh, saying, and I don't know. I don't want anybody to take this the wrong way when I say this. But Jameis Winston, I believe, is the black Big Ben, as in Ben Roethlisberger. And I don't want anybody to take that the wrong way. But well, he's just like you say, he's like Big Ben. He's just like Big Ben. Then I mean, that's he's a big guy with <laughs> yeah. a big arm. And, and you know that's there, there's con- and they you know, both have the problem, charges. No, and <laughs> that's just terrible. I give up. Yeah. Oh, man, we gotta, we gotta go. We gotta we gotta go to our next caller, man. But once again, man, thanks for calling in. We appreciate it. <laughs> no problem. I just, gee, he crossed all kinds of lines there. Um, yeah, I just uh, kept going. <laughs> Yeah, you know the the thing is there's um there's interesting takes with that with Winston. And I, right now our Twitter account is on fire, so we apologize mm-hmm. for not getting back to anybody. Kevin's doing his best, and we'll get back to everybody after the show. Um, it's at Talk Jets Radio. You know, Winston's an interesting case, Joe. And the one thing is, you know, people talking about trade up for Mariota, trade up for Winston, trade up. You got to keep in mind the value of what you're giving up to trade up to get these guys. And that's exactly. something. Once we get through our callers, I want to go through because I went through the the trade chart and what it's going to cost us to move up and things like that. It's it's a it's a pretty significant cost. So. We'll get into that after these callers, but our next caller is a guy we haven't talked to in a while, but I love talking to this guy. And this is our good friend Hank from State College. And, Hank, it's Joe and Tyson. What's up, man? Hey, how you guys doing? Sorry I haven't called in. I had a sick parent. Unfortunately, they passed away yesterday. So I'm able to call oh, in now. So, uh, Oh, dude, my, we're sorry, sorry to hear that, man. Yeah, my oh, hey, it, it, hey, thanks. I appreciate it. Uh my pick would be Todd Gurley. I would trade down to the middle and pick him up. You know, I love the guy. Yeah, he got hurt a little bit, but, you know, he's a beast. You know, I saw so him you're all gonna year. Go, 
wow, you're going to go to, wait, you're going to go Todd Gurley in the first round? They, he, if he's there, I mean, he's good. Somebody's going to pick him up in the first round if we don't. I'll trade down uh, to get I mean, him. But you're saying so you're willing, you're willing to try to get somebody to trade. Like, how far down would you trade down? It's like what, fifteen, sixteen? You're hoping to get like maybe like say with the Eagles or something like that. Uh, Eagles or San Diego? Yeah, the Eagles. I mean, they seem to be the top players for Mariota. No matter what Chip Kelly says, I think the guy's nuts, hey. but. Hank, I think you just you just quieted both me and Joe with this girly one. This is this is a, you're the first person that said that. So everybody's talking. You're, you don't you have no interest in trying to get a dynamic pass rusher. No, not really. I mean, I think with the way our secondary is, you know, we'll be able to get to the quarterback. So I like what we have in our our front seven right now and in our secondary. And you know, I want to talk early. Uh, the, the injuries that he has there, I, I don't know. It concerns me a lot, Hank. It, it, it concerns me a lot. But I could maybe see us taking Gurley, but I, I just, I don't know. I, I can't really agree with that. I, I see your, I see your method of approach there, but I'm not, I'm not feeling it. What are your thoughts about maybe Duke Johnson in the second round? Do you, you like any other running backs outside of Gurley possibly just for us to take in the second? I like Duke Johnson. He's a good pick. Uh, I like the, the kid from Nebraska. I think uh, he would be a good pickup. So, you know, I just want a running back. If, if it's not going to be Gurley, maybe Melvin Gordon or, you know, maybe Duke Johnson. I just think we need a young, fresh set of legs in there, a body that could take a beating for a little while because Ivory's not going to be there forever. Yeah, and I totally agree with that. And I think that's where I, my method of thought about the draft is, is totally different. I think that we can take a guy like a Duke Johnson or a Jahi in the second in the second round and get some guys in there that are going to be dynamic and are going to be different and are going to be speed guys that can definitely change the pace to give, like you said, to give Ivory a sit down because it's so physical and and so gone. My, my question for you is: Say Gurley's off the board already. Okay, we, we're at the sixth pick. Amari Cooper is there. Mariota is there. Who would you take? Mariota is not a home run for me. Mm-hmm. I would have to go with Cooper. I mean, I know we're pretty stacked at wide receiver, but come on, it's Amari Cooper. Have you seen that guy play? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've seen Mariota play. I, you know, I just, I just don't get a good vibe from him. You know, it's, it, he seems, I don't know, he seems kind of soft to me. I've seen Ohio State really knock his, you know, what in the dirt. So, I, I'm, I'm yeah. not sold on him. I never will be. It's interesting, you know, because, like, we, you know, everybody, you know, towards the end of last year, it was like, suck for the duck. We need Mariota. We need Mariota. And now that there's a potential of him possibly falling to us, a lot of people are like, you know what, trade the pick, send him to the Eagles. We want pass rushers. It's interesting to see the dynamic of how it's all changed. Where you know we want, we always want to work on our offense, and now everybody wants to talk defense and pass rush. It's kind of, it's kind of funny how it's changed a little bit since like this season ended. Well, yeah, I mean, the way the season ended, we don't. Geno played well in the last game, but is he going to play well going forward? I think he will. I'm a Geno guy. I believe yep. in him. You know, 
I think he's further along than Mariota will be if we just throw him in there. You know, I think Mariota will be like a deer in headlights out there. It's a totally different game. I mean, he's out west playing against, you know, where they throw it around everywhere. He he's not, you know, he's not facing Mario Williams. So yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, you, it's funny because this it seems like Mariota has. There's like almost two camps. There's one camp that loves him, and there's another camp that picks holes in every aspect of his game. And that's that's what kind of concerns me. You know, it's it's definitely a concern. And for me, honestly, I'm hoping that he's gone by six. I hope he's out of there. And it's not even a discussion for us. And we're debating which pass rusher to take or what receiver we're taking. I'm hoping that he's out of the equation. To be honest with you. Oh, he'll be gone. Winston will be gone. Him and Winston will go. Winston will go one. He'll go two. And we all yeah, know how I, that works out usually. Number two is gone by the third year. Look at RG three, Rick Meyer, and you know Ryan Leaf. I don't really have to speak about him, but you know that's what usually goes on when quarterbacks are picked one and two. Number yeah, one no goes doubt. on to great things. Number two <laughs> goes on to be a number two. So. <laughs> Well, Hank, first of all, our, our thoughts and prayers are with you and your family, man. We're sorry to hear about your loss. And, you know, thank you for calling in, man. We appreciate it. We always love hearing from you. And, you know, the next couple of weeks, we got draft analysts coming on, man. So be sure to tune in, and they're going to share. We're going to definitely pick their minds about running backs. All right, guys. You have a great night, and my family appreciates your thoughts. Thank you, Hank. All right, Joe. We're gonna stay with the phones because it's just they were just cranking them out here. And it's and I know once I know once these phone calls are over, you're gonna have a, a, a Mariota tirade, which I'm actually looking forward to. I may I may have to find some music. I'll have to find some music to play for you while you're ranting on Mariota. But before we do that, <laughs> we're gonna bring out our next caller, and this is our, our friend Zach. Zach, it's Joe and Tyson. How you doing, man? Good. How you guys doing? We're doing great, man. What's on your mind? Um, yeah, I just wanted to talk about, you know, the off season, you know, how uh, what pieces they added, you know, to the puzzle, you know, really liking, you know, them bringing back Cromartie, Revis, you know, really solidifying that uh, secondary, which was very important, which was a huge, probably our main struggle, you know, last year. Um, you know, also, you know, the biggest thing, you know, that our biggest need is obviously a quarterback, you know, should we draft Mariota if he's up there at six? Should we trade, you know, possibly with the Cleveland Browns for the 12th and 19th picks? I actually think that would be a great idea if the Browns would somehow commit to doing that, not knowing what we have to give up. Just if we can get the 12th and the 19th picks from them, I think that can really be to our advantage. We can use it. We can get a running back if we want. We can get a, you know, a pass rusher. You know, I think the biggest need in the draft that we need to, you know, face is, you know, we need to get obviously a pass rusher and, you know, a running back, which we can probably get in the second, you know, in the later rounds, which, you know. But, um, you know, with the quarterback situation, you know, Max Schaub signed today with the Ravens, you know, and our quarterbacks are uh, Geno uh, Fitz and uh, and I think I, still, I think Matt Sims. You know, we don't really know who our quarterback's going to be, but you know, you, you see Geno have his uh, you know, he had his moment at that last game, and you're like, where is this hat? Well, why don't why didn't he do this the whole entire year? Where was this? You know, and honestly, I think it's uh, I think it's a case of a, la- a lack of maturity. I don't think he's growing up. You know, there's no way I can see Geno Smith, uh, you know, being a quarterback of the New York Jets, you know. You know, I can see Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick going in there, you know, him winning us, you know, seven, eight games, maybe nine games, you know. 
you know, I definitely can see him, you know, being the Jets quarterback this year. You know, that's in case, you know, unless we draft a quarterback, you know, unless we do Mariota. I think Mariota has potential, you know, but it's going to take him, you know, two to three years. And with the Jets roster, you know, they're in a win-now situation with all their new additions, you know. So, you know, their real big need, you know, should be a quarterback first and foremost. Yeah, and, and I, I can definitely agree with you there. Um, I would like to see, you know, more competition probably brought in for Gino and kind of see what we can check out of there. My, my question for you is, and you mentioned it earlier about the Cleveland Browns uh, trading down and possibly drafting. Who, if, if your guys are there for pass rush, who are you identifying as a pass rusher you feel like we could get at that slot? Um, you know, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I can see, you know, maybe us going after uh, Vic Beasley, you know, um, Dante Fowler. Um, you you know, think um, I'm sorry, you think he'll last until the, the 12th pick? Um, I can see, I can see v, uh, Beasley lasting to the 12th pick. Um, I mean, him and Fowler, can go either way, you know, but at that number 12 pick, you know, they're still going to be solid guys, you know. You know, you have to worry. You have to worry about um, you know pass rusher. You gotta. You think they're gonna probably have you know like a top you know three top five you know pass rushers in their in in you know in McCagnan's mind you know in in the Jets' mind, and you know I can I I'd probably say Gregory probably gets drafted top ten. We probably have a better shot at Dante Fowler or Beasley with the twelfth if we can get it. Hmm. Uh, well, I don't know if I don't know if Beasley will last that long. I think Gregory is a guy that might slide because of you know the issues that are coming up with his marijuana use and things like that. So I could possibly maybe see Gregory slide. And my, my question is with that second pick, because like you said, you wanted to trade for the two first round picks. That second pick, what need are you identifying there? What, what position are you going to pick up there? And who do you have identified as a guy that you want to draft in that position to bring in? You know, I can see, you know, I can see us going after, uh, you know, a running back there. You know, obviously, mm-hmm. Irie's not going to last there. He's not going to be Jeff for so much longer, I would I would think. Um, you know, I can see us going after possibly, you know, uh, Melvin Gordon, Duke Johnson. You know, one of these uh, one of these running backs, you know, we need a fresh leg in there. You know, we can't just keep having, you know, these guys, you know, with um, Powell signing and, uh, you know, we're going to have to get some fresh legs in there, you know, some type of, uh, you know, some type of uh, new legs in there, just, you know. So I would say their biggest, their, 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 the needs that they're probably going to address in this draft will probably be uh, pass rusher and the uh, running back positions. Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking as well, Zach. I think it's, you know, barring Mariota falling to six, which I don't think is going to happen. I think it's going to be pass rusher, running back. Then it's probably going to be offensive line. Then you're probably looking at probably some kind of linebacker, I would assume, because we desperately need linebacker, you know, especially inside. So, yeah, there's definitely, I think there's a kind of like a blueprint you could see happening as long as the quarterback doesn't doesn't fall. Um, so Zach, first of all, thank you for calling in again, man. We always appreciate your insight. And do you have like a do you have a final prediction for what's going to happen with Mariota? You think he's going number two, or is he going to fall? Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly—it's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. 
Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Um, and my, and I, and I, I would probably say that, you know, I, I can somehow, you know, uh, see him sliding to us. But just, just the fact that, you know, Tennessee, you know, Tennessee really, 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 you know, they believe in Medenberger. If they don't draft, if they don't draft uh, Mariota there, then you have Washington at number five position. And they, you know, they have RG3, you know, they have Cousins. I can really see Mariota being at six. I really do. The question oh, boy, is, do the was- Jets... The question is, do the Jets want to pull the trigger, you know? Because Mariota can come into the NFL, and he can be a major bust, and nobody can see that coming. I'm telling you. I'm telling you this now. You know, I can see Winston, I can tell you, James. Wait, wait, Zach, I can, tell, I can tell you somebody's going to think he's a major bust. You're talking to him on the other, on the other phone line. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's going to be a major bust. I, I can't see him being a major bust, but I can see him starting in the quarterback and, you know, for another two, three years, you know, the Jets want a quarterback that can start now, you know, that's got, you know, who's got, you know, um, you know, who, who, who's, who's been in this position before. Yeah, but see, I don't, but see I, Zach, I, honestly, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I don't think that's the case, though. I don't think the Jets need a quarterback that has to start now because you have Geno and Fitzpatrick. So if you draft Mariota and you let him sit for you, there's no problem with that. You know what I mean? So I don't think that's necessarily the case. Right, right. You know, obviously, you know, I, 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 in my, what I just think, I feel like, you know, Mariota can slip to us. Um, you know, I think he, I think if we were to draft him, I don't think, you know, I don't think he would start, but he would be a great, you know, he would be a great option for, uh, you know, a future quarterback. And the Jets' mind, you know, they got to be thinking, you know, if we have a shot to get Mariota and he's there at six and we're not trading anything, we're not trading with the Browns, we're not trading down. You know, if he's there at number six, I think they may just pull the trigger on Mariota and say, you know what, this is going to be the guy that's going to lead us in the next couple of years down the road, you know? Well, yeah, that, well, that's the goal. The goal is to win now and in the future. So I agree with you. It's going to be interesting to see if that happens. Zach, once again, man, thanks for calling in. We appreciate it. No problem. Pleasure. Man, Joe, our phone lines are just absolutely insane right now. And the one thing, before we go to our next mm-hmm. caller, the one thing I want to talk about is, you know, everybody's talking about trading up and trading down. You know, at the, at the sixth pick, the, the Jets do the trade chart that's on, you know, on the Internet that everybody can find. You look up, like, NFL draft, like, trade value. Joe, to, to move up in the draft is very difficult to do. So just say the Jets are at 1,600. To go up to, like, to 3,000, which is the first pick, you have to do 1,400 points. That's the equivalent of two first-round picks and a third-round pick. That's the equivalent. Or you can do, like, a first-round pick, a second-round pick, you know, it, it's a lot. I mean, you're, you're talking about a lot of compensation to move up. And, you know, to move down, it's, it makes it easier because you're accumulating picks. But for those guys that are saying move up to get Winston, move up to get Mariota, you're basically mortgaging your draft, and there's no other way around it. You know, even if you want to go up one spot, say you're going to go from, I believe if you're going up from the fifth to the fourth pick, it's still like a fourth-round pick. I mean, from the sixth to the fifth pick, it's like a fourth-round pick you have to give up. We don't have a lot of picks this year, so you know it's it's difficult to say move up and trade up and do all these things when you have limited draft picks. Yeah, absolutely. There's a steep price to pay for getting up there, and I, I mean, I could see us doing that if we just didn't have anybody here. But the fact that we do have a guy in Gino that that struggled, but you know, we've seen flashes. He's done different things, and, and we feel at least confident that this guy can be 
a decent, just a game managing quarterback in the NFL. I just, I don't think you pay that price. Not, not yet. Not, not for you know some of the guys that are in in this year's draft. Yeah, and that's and like we had like a ton of mailbag questions. That was one of the questions from Rod Hop. He was like, "What package would you accept for Mariota at six? It's like, well, my first question is, how much do the Jets believe in Mariota? If he's your guy, you take him. If you don't believe in him, then you get the best package you can." And that's got to that's got to include a first round pick. You know, what I mean, you got to you got to add, you know, because then if you're moving down to 17, you're most likely missing out on your top pass rushers. You're missing out on your Amari Cooper. So you you know, while it's great to say trade down, you're also getting a lesser player. You know, what I mean, all those Fowler dreams, those Beasley dreams are all gone. Your Cooper dream is gone. Now you're going to like the next level of player. So, I mean, don't you think, Joe? You got to kind of incorporate also while you're trading down, you're also getting. A, you know, may not be a significantly lesser player, but you're not getting the top guy that you want. Well, yeah, you kind of just have to factor in where you think the guy – I mean, this, the draft is shake out how it shakes out, but you got to kind of look and see where you think, you know, other guys that would fit your team that would do well as well, uh, where they would fall and shake out. You know, we've talked about wide receivers. Everyone's talking about Amari Cooper. Jalen Strong is a very solid wide receiver. He is. It's not, yep. I mean, I know, I know people aren't talking about – I mean, people are talking about him, but, you know, he, he's kind of – not, not in the mouths of a lot of fans. Let me tell you, this kid's really good, too. And if we get down to that 12th pick, because I think the dream scenario in my mind is taking that Cleveland that Cleveland uh, deal. You get their two first-round picks at the 12th. Jalen Strong still might be there. Um, there's yep. also a guy, a, a Green Beckham. He's there, too. Big body guy, 6'5". I like him, too. I like him as well. Um, so there's other guys in this draft that can make your team better. It's just you'd have to look at, how the draft would shake out, where these guys, where you think these guys might end up, and if it would benefit your team to move down to certain slots and select. So, you know, you make a move, you, you just got to factor all that stuff in. No, it's definitely not the. I mean, you even have Philip Dorsett from Miami, a smaller guy, but a complete speed demon too. So there's, there's a lot of guys. We'll go, there's a lot of guys to talk about, but I just you keep saying like trading up to me is is just tough because you're mortgaging your draft, and then when you keep saying trade down, accumulate picks, keep in mind you're trading down. All these guys we've talked about for the last couple of weeks, they're all going to be gone. So they talking about. I mean, that's where Hank's idea of getting Gurley could come in if you're going to trade down then. But I mean, it, it changes the dynamic of your draft significantly. We're talking about trading down. Um, we'll go to our next caller, and I apologize in advance. I'm not sure how to say your name, but I guess is it Avi? You could say it that way. Yes, yes. Um, thanks for taking my call. Uh, first time caller. Uh, really, really enjoy your show, guys. Thanks for taking my call again. Thank you, man. And Thank you for calling in. What's uh, what's on your mind? Yeah, I was just uh, thinking, you know, I when when the Jets got Fitzpatrick, I went back and, and watched a lot of uh, tape on him, read a lot about him, uh, have a few friends that are Buffalo Bills fans asked about him, you know, and uh, actually have a good friend who's a Texans fan. And I really do think that the guy is decent. You know, he could hold the fourth for your trade-up for a quarterback. I think he could be a kind of quarterback for like a bandage. He's decent. He's better than Sanchez. He's better than Geno. And... Um, if the Jets have a you know a really good defense, a defense that we expect to be like top five, with Brandon Marshall, Decker, and Ivory, we should be all right with Fitzpatrick for the next year or two. Yes, absolutely, and that, and that's something I can definitely agree with. I want to thank you for calling in as well. I want to thank you for listening too. Um, you know, with Fitzpatrick in the fold, you know he could hold the fort, like you said, and it it it, it allows us to not have to rush to trade up and. And, and mortgage our draft, you know, to possibly go up and get one of those guys. So my question to you is, with us sitting at that sixth pick, what is your idea? What do you think we should do with the sixth pick? Are you drafting a pass rusher? 
Are you trading down? What is kind of your motive thought about this? I mean, if you could find a team to trade down with, I guess that would be a nice possibility, but I don't think that's really going to happen. I think both Mariota and Winston will be off the board. I don't think any team will want to uh, trade uh, two first-round picks with us. I would love to get a Beasley. I mean, I'm, I'm maybe, I may be crazy, but I love Vic Beasley. I think with this defense, he fits perfectly as a pass rusher. And with you, you put him in the line with Sheldon Richardson, Mohamed Wilkerson, this guy first year could get at least 10 sacks. I think the defense could legitimately be number one with the Beasley or a Dante Fowler. Yeah, and you're, you're not alone. I mean, there's several analysts on Twitter and wherever you wherever you read that are very high on Beasley and Fowler as legit pass rushers, game-breaking kind of guys, things like that. I actually want to go back to you about one thing because I've joined the Geno Smith fan club over here, and I'm supporting him under Chan Gailey. Are you – see, Joe, see how I can adapt? The um, Are you just not a believer in Geno based on his past performance, or do you think he just doesn't have his ability going forward in Chan Gailey's system? What is your thoughts on Geno? It's a, it's a good question because there have been a lot of quarterbacks that have just turned it on year three, but um, I, I I don't the game that he that he's missing is the mental part of the game, and I just don't I just don't see him uh, getting that all of a sudden. Could be I don't know. Uh, you know, to be fair, in his first two years he didn't have a lot of weapons. Uh, Rex Ryan isn't the greatest isn't the greatest offensive mind to say the least, but um, but I really do think that Fitzpatrick. Uh, will beat up Gino, and, uh, and, uh, and I trust Fitzpatrick way more than I trust Gino at this point. I, I agree with you in terms of trusting the quarterback, but do you have any faith in Chan Gailey bringing Gino back into a system that he's familiar with from college, where he was successful in college, you know, surrounded now with Brandon Marshall, Jason Morrow, Decker, Curley, Ivory. I mean, he's got weapons everywhere, and an offense he's going to be comfortable in. Don't you think he has a better chance, just based on his athletic ability, to flourish more than Fitzpatrick? Well, he, he for sure has a, he has better physical ability. There's no doubt about it. Uh, does he have a chance? Of course he does. But again, um, this is a uh, this is a team that's poised to win right now. I mean, how many how many games would you give Gino? Plus, he started the season with uh, four touchdowns and four interceptions. How many games are you giving Gino till you sit him down and and start Fitzpatrick? See, that's a, that's a, that's a fair question, but it's. Are you ba- you're basing it on wins and losses, or are you basing it on his stats? Are they are they losing games fourteen twelve? Are they losing games thirty one twenty eight? I mean, there's a kind of a lot of variables that go into that. It's it's to me, it's about if he's going into his third year, you want to see him take the next step. Starting out early in the season, this is a new offense. He's learning a new okay. offense, so there could be if, if, there could be a chance of a learning curve. No, absolutely. But what if Fitzpatrick play, uh, outplays Gino uh, in, uh, in in you know in, in the camp? What, what do you? What are you doing? He takes the job. Still putting Gino? If it's no, no, no. If it's Patrick beats Gino in a true competition, he gets the job. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in the Rex Ryan camp where he just force feeds a decision and just says it was an open competition. It's the best man wins, the best man plays. I mean, Joe, what do you think? So, if the if the question is if Gino can beat up Fitzpatrick, I do, especially with uh, with the added weapons. But I, I don't, I, I still see Fitzpatrick uh, beating out Gino. I think today, to me, that's what it looks like. I don't know. Yes, absolutely. I agree. I think if Fitzpatrick beats him out, then he takes the job. I think that's something that Rex jacked up um, all throughout his tenure here is that, hey, he didn't never give the kid an open competition, and he pretty much handed the job to the kid and never made him, you know, compete. So if Fitzpatrick gets the job done, then that's it. He's a starter. That's, that's plain and simple. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. That's a true competition, true quarterback competition. 
Uh, my question for you is, second round, we're looking at running back. I wonder if you have a guy that you would like to bring in to kind of switch, change up our running back position here with the Jets. Um, there are two, Duke Johnson mm-hmm. and, and Ajay. I re, I, uh, is that how you pronounce it, Ajay, A-J-A-Y, right? I believe so, right. yep. Yeah. I, I I really like those two. I mean, I think uh, Duke Johnson uh, he would fit perfectly with the Jets. I don't I don't I don't think right away he'd be able to be a three down back because the, uh, the only question with him is durability. You know, he's a smaller size, but I mean, he catches the ball great out of the backfield. He runs the ball really well. He's really precise, and I think he would fit in really well with Chris Ivory. That would be really good. Yeah, I, I agree, man. I think he's a perfect complement, and that would be a dimension that Jets are desperately needing, and that makes this offense so much more dynamic. I mean, it kind of replaces the Percy Harvin factor, and it just it it just be a it'd be an exciting time that where Geno Smith can flourish. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I think especially with the old pretty well with Duke Johnson too. I think it would help him a lot too. I was just busting your chops, man. So uh, before yeah. we, before we let before we let you go, man, how do you say your name again? Uh, Avi, A V I. Okay, cool. Avi, oh, cool. Dude, are you yeah. are you on Twitter? If if you're on Twitter, give us your Twitter handle. Yes, I am on Twitter, and I follow you guys. You guys rock. Uh, it's at Blue and Orange Seven. Oh, I yeah, I I retweet yourself all the time, man. Thank you for listening, and uh, thank you for following us, man. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Can I ask one more question? Sure, fire away. Uh, if let's say we don't get an offensive lineman in the first round. Do you see anybody in the second or third round that would right away be able to come in and uh, do good? And thanks, by the way, for taking my call. I really appreciate it. Joe, you can take that one if you want it. Uh, offensive lineman in the second round that still might be there. Um, I'm looking at a guy, and, and I know it's a long shot, a guy maybe like A.J. Cam. I don't know. If, I, I think he might be a guy that, that kind of lasts in the second round. Um, there's some other guys. There's a couple of different guys that have that have been there. Um, uh, maybe a T.J. Clemens is a guy I think can, can last in the second round. Another guy that a lot of people are not talking about, and it blows my mind, is a guy named Jake Fisher from Oregon. I, I think he's a solid guy, a guy that can come in, he's got good hands, he's got good feet, and he he might last in the second round too. So that's a lineman that we can, a couple linemen that we can actually look at and say, hey, maybe maybe these guys will be around and, and they could definitely come in and push for a starting position or actually end up being starters, too. Yeah, right. Joe, 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 Joe stole my thunder, so I'm going to oh. agree with him. He took, <laughs> he took all my thunder away with that one. <laughs> all right, th- thanks a lot, guys, really. Thanks a lot. Well, thank you for calling in, man. We appreciate it. All right, thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. All right, Joe. Well, that we just man, that was a fast and furious session of phone calls. And Joe, a couple more things before we wrap up. Um, since we're talking about offensive line, our friend Slim in the mailbag had a good question. He's like, right now, as our offensive line exists, is it good enough to give our quarterback time to be effective in the offense? So I'll let you answer that one first. Oh, my first question: Is it good enough right now? It could be decent. It, it, it's decent enough. My question is not to me. Um, when you look at him, he gets beat by average speed rusher. Sue is now in our division. We played the Dolphins twice. Um, yep. He might be out there on an island with, with, with Cameron Wake from, you know, when we played him. Bottom line, he might not be able to get any help. My question is Giacomini. If he performs decently this season and doesn't get beat by, like I said, average speed rushing guys, then yes. 
But if not, then we need to address our right tackle. And that's why I kept banging, banging, banging on the table about, hey, even in this draft, we can draft some guys late that can push Giacomini or start and, and, and definitely shore up that right tackle spot. But something needs to be done about that because if not, you're going to have guys in Geno's or Fitzpatrick or whoever we might have starting, you're going to have guys in their face. And that just that's not good. Well, and the thing is, and, and first of all, I want to thank Slim for listening in for his question. Um, let's not forget Rex, man. Rex and Buffalo. I mean, Jerry Hughes went back. They're going to be blitzing from the from the locker room. So this offensive line's got to be solidified. And right now, if you ask me what I think about the line, it's a relative unknown because we don't know who's playing where. I mean, you don't know. Is it Winters? Is it Abushi? What's going on? Is it Willie Cologne? Is it one? Of the, is it Corey Hilliard? Who are? Who's playing where? We have absolutely no idea. So the more competition we could bring in, the better off we are. And I draft somebody too in the later rounds. I mean, the more the merrier at this point. I mean, you have James Brewer. We don't know what we have. James Carpenter. But all I know is that with Sue in Miami, like you said, and, and with Rex and his defense, they're going to bring the heat early and often. And if we can't handle it, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. So I guess both our answers to Slim is that we, we still need help, and it's, it's a work in progress, I guess. Yes, absolutely. And, and like you said, I, I think James Carpenter is going to end up being our starter um, with Mangold and DeBridgesaw Ferguson. That other guard, like you said, is still up in the air. There's some spots that are up in the air, which I think are our right guard spot and our and our right tackle spot. So, yeah, we'll see who gets slotted where and how these guys perform. But, it's, it's like you said, it could be a relative unknown. Yeah, it's it's definitely – you know, and the next question is, and this is from our good friend Joe Colon. This is an excellent question because we've had like three or four callers that mentioned this already. And the question was, how many games did Jets have to win this year in order to have confidence in the new regime? And, you know, we've heard several callers saying the Jets are in win-now mode. They bought, they, you know, they paid for Revis, they brought in Camardi, they're bringing all these names, spending big money. It's a win-now mode. So, Joe, the question to you is, how many games did Jets have to win this year to make you know, to keep the, the angry people quiet? <laughs> I looked at our schedule, or the makeup of our schedule, the teams we might play, and I'm thinking that if we go 9-7 and seven or 10-6, and six, I'm considering this a win, and this is why. Do we have the pieces on defense? Absolutely. Do we have the pieces on offense? We have pieces, absolutely. But I always give a team like how we have, we brought in so many pieces, you have to almost give them that time to jail. You have to also think that they're learning. A lot of them are learning new systems, top old systems. Some of them are coming into a system uh, with, with Gailey as well. They're learning his system. This is going to be Geno's first year in Gailey's system. So you're going to have to kind of give them time to work out the kinks. So I think a solid nine and seven – a 10 and 6 year, just looking at our schedule, the strength of our schedule as of right now, um, I think you have to quiet up as a fan. And I think they could build Jeez. off of that. But you have to. Dude, I, Joe, I, I, 10 and yeah. 6 or 9 and 7, you're talking playoffs. Well, nine, yeah, but look at, our, look at the talent on our team, though. If you look at our schedule, it's like we're playing right now. If you look at the schedule and look at the teams we play, and then you look at the talent on our team, if we go 9 and 7 or 10 and 6, that that'd be fine. It, honestly, if we if we just break, if we go five hundred, eight and eight, that'd be fine too. That would be fine too. But that's where I kind of see like yeah, I almost have to kind of give them time to jail. But we have the talent to do that. This is not a bad team at all. If you look at us on paper, dude, our defense has shut down everybody pretty much. There's there's almost once we depending on how the draft works out, once we get what we need to get and get these pieces in place. There should be almost no one that should score on us, really. Um, our offense would be the question. We, uh, we 
definitely upgraded a wide receiver. Um, we just have to see how the scheme works out and how Geno produces. If Geno can get us maybe 14 points, more than maybe 14 points every game, I think we'd be okay. I think we can do a 9-7. Oh, and, and I'm not setting it high. I don't think that's a high mark at all. I, dude, you're, you're, you're – <laughs> But dude, I think right now if nine and seven, they're gonna be making, they're gonna put Todd Bowles in the Hall of Fame. I think after this off season of getting Rebus and Cromartie back. Here's my answer for him, and my answer is gonna be like this: I want to see a disciplined team, a physical team, a well coached team. You know, no more stupid penalties, no more lazy, strong work ethic. You want to see quality football. You want to be competitive. No, no, no games getting mailed in like San Diego last year, where you're blown out in the first half. The Buffalo game, where you're just completely self-destructing. That's the first thing you want to see. That right there would give me faith going forward. Where you know that Todd Bowles has a good grasp on his team, and there's no more nonsense. All the locker room drama. There's no more, you know, no locker room drama, no finger pointing. You know, work ethic is there. You know what I mean, Joe? That's the that's the starting point for me. Where you see these guys are well coached and know what they're doing. Then if you're looking at wins. Dude, I'm happy at eight and eight. If we if we're playing smart, quality football, and we're dealing with Geno and Fitzpatrick, and we're winning eight games, we're playing quality football. I, I'm cool with that. You want to see you want to see a glimpse towards the future as well. Like, would you want to win ten games? Of course, nine games would be great. You know, saying playing competitive games in December where we're in a playoff hunt, that'd be great. You know what I mean? You just want to see that they're they know what they're doing. There's a, there's a direction. They know where they're going. But, you know, like there's some kind of light in the tunnel. You know, if we come out and we're disorganized and, you know, we're, we don't know how to, you know, can't do the replays right, and we don't, you know, we're pre-snap penalties, things like that, that's when you get concerned. So for me, it's not really more about the wins and losses. It's just about the quality of football on the field. Yeah, and I, and I totally agree with that. And I think we agree. You said 8-8, eight and eight too. I, I just think that if, if that meshes, because to me, in my mind, if, if I, I, smart, disciplined football, if they're playing smart, disciplined football with the guys we have, there's no reason they shouldn't go eight games. If they're playing solid, sound football, and, again, if you look at our schedule, if you play solid, sound football against some of these teams, there's no reason we shouldn't go eight and eight and maybe touch a nine and seven, ten and six. So, you know, I, I just want to, like, like, I totally agree with you. I want to see sound, solid football, guys playing hard, everyone giving it, giving it up to, you know, to the, to, the, to the last second of the game and putting all their effort out on the field. But I definitely want to see, you know, some wins, too. I want to see guys, you know, I want to see the fan base finally get there and really have confidence in this team and be like, man, you know, we can beat whoever. You know, so, yeah, I, I can, well, I can yeah, see and the thing from, is, and I like, definitely agree on something. Yeah, like you want, to, you want to see, like you want to, one of the big things about Rex Ryan that I used to always hate was you knew there was going to be no halftime adjustments, especially with Marty Morningwig. You knew he wasn't going to adjust anything. You want to see his team adapt, adjust, and get better. You know, that's the thing. And the one thing I want to mention, too, before, that I forgot was that the Jets signed Kellen Davis this week, um, basically a blocking tight end, which they desperately needed. Because, you know, Cumberland couldn't handle that role, and Jason Morrow is a bit more known for his you know, receiving than he is his blocking. So I think that's a solid move for the Jets getting uh, – Kellen Davis. What are your thoughts on that, Joe? Yeah, I have the exact same thoughts. A solid blocking tight end. Jeff Cumberland looked crazy out there trying to block some of these average <laughs> defensive ends, and I couldn't believe, like you said, if you have, going into the halftime adjustments, when we played the Dolphins, and he and Marty Mortenwick had him out there on an island against Cameron Wake. Those were just some things that, were, that had to do with his scheme that were just ridiculous. So, uh, it's yep. solid to see us get a good tight end in, and he's going to compete too. He's going to push guys around there too to, to get better. So I think it was a good signing. Yeah, and the, the last question we had was um, it was just a question about 
where do you think that there's some weaknesses on the Jets? And, and my answer right now, other than the, the concerns of the offensive line, is that inside linebacker. Other than Demario Davis and David Harris, we have unknowns. It's there's there's a it's an empty it's an empty spot there. So I know the Jets they uh, they brought in Aaron Henderson for an interview, things like that. But Joe, I think that's something that has to be addressed is inside linebacker. And then if you're looking at re- the return game, I mean you have a, a Wosu there, you have T.J. Graham, you have your boy Hakeem back there. But that's something that may be addressed when they draft a, um, a wide receiver or a running back. Yeah, that's exactly where I was going. I was going inside linebacker. Like you said, after David Harris and Mario, it's like, whoa, things are getting really thin around there. Um, yeah, special teams, our return game, we definitely need some help there. Hopefully they draft some guys, but hopefully Shaleen steps up once again and, and becomes the guy. <laughs> and he's kicked returning and punt returning like he should be. Um, so, you know, an offensive line, too, is definitely that, that right side is something that I'm kind of a little suspicious about. But, yeah. Those are definitely the, the spots that we need to improve at. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. I mean, Joe, we covered everything. I went through the mailbag. I went through most of our tweets. Is there anything you wanted to bring up and discuss? Oh, no, no. Dude, we covered so much. We covered a lot of stuff. <laughs> Those mailbag questions, all the all the listeners that call in. I want to thank you guys for calling in. As you know, I'm a man of the people. I would like to thank you for calling in and providing not all your Winston of your comments, you're not. Still, you know what the people the people understand me. I, I've got to be the facts guy here, so I've got to bring the facts. I've got to be the voice of reason here, and I, I have to say what I want to say. I know people don't always want to hear it, but the truth hurts sometimes, you know. And it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll back up what you're saying. Thank you to all the callers tonight. I mean, we have. I think we're probably the only podcast that has 13 year olds calling, dropping like uh, Mel Kiper knowledge <laughs> on us. And uh, thank you to everybody on Twitter. We'll get back to you tonight. I mean, the Twitter account's completely out of control, so we'll do our best to respond to everybody. And as always, we're on iTunes. And then, Joe, share our Facebook information. Yes, absolutely. Everyone, uh, we are on Facebook. Please search the name Long Beach Joe. That's our Facebook page. Uh, We're also going to tweet that out as well, so you can go through the link and, you know, friend us. We'll definitely friend you. Our content's on there. You can speak to us on there as well. You can also follow me on Twitter at YoungJ00. You can also watch my videos that I do on YouTube. It's Jets-based, football-based. I talk about the team and our moves there as well. That's YoungJ000. Three zeros on YouTube, two zeros on Twitter, Long Beach Joe on Facebook. You know, talk to us. We'll talk back. Yeah, absolutely. And then on Instagram, we're Let's Talk Jets, so we're doing our best to cover that as well. So, once again, Joe, it's an active show. We appreciate it. In the upcoming weeks, we got draft analysts lined up. Next week is Ron Pickett, and the following week we got a special guest. So stay tuned, and uh, we got a lot of Jets things to talk about. So we'll talk to everybody next week. You're listening to Let's Talk Jets Radio.